You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi folks, be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message, to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment. And here he is, all dressed up in a tuxedo and ready to give you all the hysterical and historical news, Dr. History. Good morning, Zeb. This is friend. my cowboy uh, uh, outfit. Please don't change. <laughs> okay. Don't overdress. I haven't yet, you know. Have so. you got a lot of thank yous? You know, I don't this week. Oh, uh, my. So... But anyway, uh, you know, driving out here, seeing the beet harvest getting going and mm-hmm. the beans getting thrashed. And uh, I love this time of year. Just, uh, you know, just seeing the harvest. Did you notice the transition, though, like right overnight from 90s to bloop, yeah, it's chilly yeah. out there? Yeah, not bad, though. No. So today, going to talk about Sawtooth Jack. Are you talking Diamondfield Jack? Sawtooth Jack. I don't know that name. Well, you will in a minute. Well, thank you, Dr. <laughs> History. Uh, right off the bat, you're going to know. Oh. Two of the largest grizzlies ever taken in Idaho was from the Sawtooths. Uh, and this book, I want to recommend this, Sawtooth Tales by a guy named Dick B- Deesom. Uh Got a lot of good stories about the Sawtooths. So you're talking about by Sun Valley yeah. Haley up uh-huh. in that area. Okay. Yep. Okay. All right. So two of the biggest grizzlies ever taken in Idaho were, were from the Sawtooths. Both went to the World's Fair at New Orleans in 1885, one as a nine-foot rug and the other live on the hoof. No kidding. Sawtooth Jack was very much alive and kicking, and he drew a lot of attention, more than the bearskin rug. Uh, (laughs) Sawtooth Jack, also known as Idaho Jack, weighed 900 pounds. Now, that's a big bear. That's a big big bear. bear. They knew this because they weighed him several times, and he was what they call sound in wind and limb and mean as sin. I bet that's what they said. (laughs) That's exactly what they said. You know, anyway, we'll just keep going. He went to the World's Fair because he was caught in a trap and became a profitable article for the trapper. Sawtooth Jack found himself in that fix because several bear had ripped into a supply of fresh beef at Muldoon, which was a mining town up in that area. Well, so here's the guy. His name is Dutch Schwartz. He had a contract to provide meat for the miners, and from time to time, he collected a few steers in corrals. He killed and quartered on the premises, hanging the carcasses out in the open from the trees. He was inviting trouble. Yeah, 
Well, you know, the bear got in and chewed up a lot of nice uh, beef, yeah. nice fine roast. Yeah. Well, Schwartz and company declared war on bear. And when reports spread that a huge grizzly bear was on the prowl near Sawtoo City, he hustled over to take a hand in the action. Now, they found some huge bear tracks. I mean, they, they say they were big as home plate. I mean, that's home plate on a baseball. A baseball that's a big foot. You know? That's a big, yeah. big. And, how, I wonder how big that bear was, though, as far as length, oh, height. I, I think we might get to that, actually. Oh, uh, okay. I might have that here. Right. But, you know, nothing short of a giant bear could have mangled so thoroughly the remains of a horse found in a thicket. So this bear had gotten into a horse. So Schwartz and other hunters left pieces of the horse where they were, hoping the bear would return for another meal. And the bear did come back. Well, they started shooting at this bear, and Schwartz told his boys to quit firing because he had a scheme cooking up in his mind. He said it might be smart to catch this bear alive. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. They must not have been very good shots. <laughs> or, or I don't know what kind of shells they were because shooting. Because if they did hit the bear on numerous occasions and that bear's still standing there eating, I'm out of there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I might leave my gun behind, yeah, too. Yeah, no kidding. So he was impressed by the size of the grizzly, and he had been to circuses and had a notion, you know, a bear of this size and proportion would be worth a lot more uh, intact than skinned and dead. But how to go about it? Somebody might get killed, and it might not be the bear. Now, I don't know who he hired, but it wouldn't have been me or you. Well, that's obvious. I'm on crutches. I'm I'm lunch. <laughs> you'd, you'd have been bait, Jeff. I'm lunch. <laughs> you'd have been bait. So first, they set conventional steel traps, uh, the biggest they could find, huge bear traps. And you've seen those. Well, the bear just sprung them. And so then Schwartz built a cage of heavy timber. He propped the gate open with a stick attached to a chunk of horse meat. And after several days, the bear took the bait got into this trap, the door slammed down, and when it fell down, it broke one of his front paws. Okay, so it must have been a heavy, heavy uh, trap. And they teed him off. Uh, He wasn't happy. So the injury reduced his activity, the bear, because he was injured. But he roared and snorted and pawed and all that stuff. and Kind of like you when you walk in every morning. That's exactly right. Cautiously approaching the site of the bellowing and groaning, the man determined the bear was reasonably secure. (laughs) I don't know if I like those (laughs) Reasonably secure. The next problem was how to get him, how to remove him. Okay, you got this big bear, 900 pounds, in a big, huge trap that probably weighs 900 pounds. Holy smokes. So you got a ton. Yeah. So Schwartz, always resourceful, solved the matter by getting some chloroform. Okay, he tied rags to a pole, poured anesthetic on the rags, and waved them up under the bear's nose. So the bear went down. Uh He was out like a light. Okay. So the men uh, tied him down and kept him unconscious while they fashioned a set of wheels for the trap. Can I get to ask you this? Who was nominated to go into the cage (laughs) to tie him down? Not me. (laughs) Whoever went in, they must have hopefully paid him a lot. So half a dozen men had to pull pull him into town. Well, a crowd gathered, and everybody wanted to look at old, what's his name? And Schwartz came up with the name Sawtooth Jack. 
So that's how he got his name. I'll be. Sawtooth Jack. And again, he tipped the uh, scales at 900 pounds. Uh, they said his head was like a barrel and his uh, paws were a foot across, huge paws. Well, encouraged by the interest created in Sawtooth City, Schwartz hauled his grizzly to Ketchum and Haley. So, folks, if you don't know where that is, that's kind of in southern southern central Idaho. You've heard of Sun Valley. Yeah. So it's right there, Haley, Ketchum. And, and the bear's alive. Right. Okay. Yeah. So for a nominal fee, people could observe a close-range sawtooth jack, who by now was alert, snarling, and, you know, uh, was not a friendly bear. Well, after time, business fell off along Wood River up in that area because nearly everybody had seen sawtooth jack at least once or twice. So things were kind of, interest was kind of waning. Well, the World's Fair in New Orleans was about to open. George L. Shoup of Salmon was Idaho's commissioner for the fair, and he heard about Sawtooth Jack. So uh, Colonel George L. Shoup thought Sawtooth Jack would fit in nicely as part of Idaho's exhibit. So he made sure the Jim State would have at least one bear by obtaining a pelt of a big grizzly that had been killed in the Sawtooth. So he had a big pelt, but uh, he wanted the real thing. Yeah. Okay, so Colonel Shoup offered to pay expenses and a little something more for the appearance of Sawtooth Jack. Well, it sounded good to Schwartz, so he took his bear to New Orleans. Now, Sawtooth Jack uh, was, how would we say it, a little bit ornery. You know, he's in this cage. He's Can not you a, blame him? He's not a happy bear. Yeah. He frightened people, particularly the management of the exposition. They were scared of him, and they didn't want to have any part of this big bear. Yeah. They were, I guess, afraid he'd break loose and kill people or whatever. So Schwartz didn't give up. Having hauled his grizzly all the way, he figured to make the trip pay, no matter what the fair said. So he placed Sawtooth Jack in a carnival near the exhibition grounds where he could rip and snort and growl and all that stuff. Well, the big bear drew thousands of customers, and Schwartz made a lot of money. I mean, thousands, and he probably charged, what, maybe a quarter? Uh, back then, I don't know. I don't know, five cents, to okay. a quarter, I don't know. So he, But he made a, quite a bit of money. Uh, so about the time the fair closed, Schwartz decided he didn't want to tote the bear back to Idaho, so he sold him to a carnival man for several hundred dollars, and Schwartz returned back here to Idaho to the Wood River area. So what became of Sawtooth Jack is not known. Oh, nobody knows? No. There were reports that a gigantic grizzly called Idaho Jack was an attraction built by roadshows in various cities. So the bear was probably Sawtooth Jack, the horse eater of Sawtooth City. Well, now, wait a minute. The last they knew of his uh, being here was in, what, Louisiana? Uh, Yeah, New Orleans. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You don't just hide a bear that size down in Cajun country. No. And so I'm betting that the one they now call Idaho Jack was Sawtooth Jack. Really? So he traveled with uh, traveling road shows and probably made a lot of money for the owners there, too. You know, it's kind of a shame. It really is kind of a shame. Yeah. Isn't it? Uh, let me ask you, okay, they got him in a cage yeah. up in the Sawtooth. Right. How'd they get him out of there? Well, like I say, they, they chloroformed him. No, no, no. I'm talking about that cage and everything, 2,000 pounds. And what did they, how did they manipulate well, getting it on some kind of a conveyance to get him out of there? So what they did is they figured out a way to put some wheels on that cage. On the cage? Yeah. And then even then, 
they tried to use horses to pull them, but the horses would smell that bear. They wouldn't have anything. They wouldn't get anywhere close to that bear. Would you? No. So the men had to haul and pull that somewhat cart or wagon, if you want to call it that, to get it out. So men actually with ropes pulled that pulled bear down. down the mountain. To get to the town, yeah. Wow. So uh, there's a few more grizzly stories, Zeb. Uh, and I know we got a little time here. So, you know, bear lore, lore is, you know, and stories are abundant in Idaho's past. And nearly every mining camp and mountain ranch had a share of fact and, unfortunately, sometimes fiction. So here's a guy. His name was H.A. Grizzly Johnson. Uh-huh. He was a resident of the Sawtooth more than 70 years ago. And he was undoubtedly the best bear fighter in Idaho history. Bear fighter? Bear fighter. You'll see what I mean. I mean, you don't mean he was naked. Zeb, please. Oh, <laughs> he killed only one that got into the record. But he did it in an uncommon fashion. On a ride from Atlanta to Wood River, he met a grizzly. He shot it several times, but the bullets didn't do anything but just make the bear mad. Well, imagine that. The grizzly rose up and smacked Johnson, smacked him. The blow broke several ribs and knocked Johnson under a dead tree. Uh Uh-huh. Now, this is where it gets a little fishy. I see. The bear plowed in to finish the job. As luck would have it, there wasn't room in the opening for more than the bear's head. Uh Uh-huh. Johnson grabbed the bear by the throat, got his own head free of the bear's mouth. Oh, he had his head in his mouth? At a loss of considerable scalp and choked the grizzly to death. Okay. Then he then he caught his horse and rode many miles to medical aid. His face and body were scarred the rest of his life. I'm not buying choking that bear to death. I'm sorry. When I read that, Zab, I'm thinking either this guy was huge and had big hands, or that bear may not have been very big. Or okay, I'm not buying so, that one. So We're on the same page. I, we'll just throw that in as okay. a as a story. That was an extra treat. Yeah. Then there was the Swede in Haley County, up there by Sun Valley, at the turn of the century, who fought a bear over a love letter. Pardon me. You'll get it. In a happy mood after getting a note from his girl in the old country, he started hiking back to camp. On the way, he saw a cub. Okay, you see what's coming. I do. The little bear was playful. So was Swede. They were getting along really good when the mother bear joined the party. I don't think I like this. She was not amused. She cuffed the cub up a tree and growled at the Swede, who adjourned up another tree. Okay. As he scrambled for a higher branch, the bear tore off his hip pocket, which contained the letter. And you'll see. So here he is, safely perched. The miner saw the bear pounce on something fluttering around along the ground. The letter. Uh Uh-oh. Roaring like a roaring a battle cry, the Swede jumped down and clouded the bear on the head with a sledgehammer fist. Time out. <laughs> he jumped out of a tree to where he was relatively safe because of a love letter that fell out of his pocket. That he hadn't been able to read yet. The guy's not right. Hit the bear on top of the head with, and again, maybe he was a big guy. The bear blinked in astonishment. She bared her teeth and squared away to attack. The Swede bared his teeth right back, went into a crouch, spit on his hands, and dared her to have at it. Got the picture? But I'm not buying it. 
At this point, two miners arrived, and they yelled, Look out, she's mad. And the Swede said, Let her look out. I'm mad, too. I'll tear her apart. Uh huh. <laughs> he kicked the bear. Apparently dismayed at the odds of three against one, the she-bear turned tail, and he yelled, Coward, he shouted at the bear, and uh, the other guy said, what did you do that for? And he said, well, it was a fair fight. Now I lose. She ate my letter. She ate the, <laughs> the love letter. <laughs> you know, I got to be honest with you. The first story was somewhat more than realistic. Yeah. The last two. Okay. No. All right, well, we're not done. Okay. Uh, we'll just keep going until we run out of time. So, <laughs> Come on, clock. Here we go. So among the hairy stories uh, is the one about a grizzly in the bunkhouse. Okay. It takes various forms and is repeated from time to time as the personal experience of a wide assortment of men in numerous parts of the country. Now, one version that may actually be original and genuine, uh, or at least it has a claim because it was published as solemn truth in a newspaper, uh, and it has a setting on Lost River, and the account uh, appeared in the 1885 Houston Press. Okay. All right. So we're still up at the sawtooth. We're up here. So there was a sawmill on Alder Creek. Near the sawmill was a bunkhouse into which the hands would tumble nightly, bone tired. They would sleep soundly. They didn't pay any attention to anybody who snored. They were accustomed uh, also to occasional late arrivals of men who were strong enough to walk to town uh, for a little uh, excitement and the bright lights. Yeah. So... If the midnight crawlers raised any kind of a ruckus, uh, it was the habit of the sleepers to stop the nonsense by throwing a boot or threatening to cut their head off if, with a double-headed axe if they kept up the noise. And that's how they handled the noise. Yeah, it was uh, very pleasant. Yes, it was. So one night, said the Houston Press, an Irishman named Smiley heard his bunkmate come lurching through the door and pile into bed, grunting and groaning something horrible. Smiley rolled over and smote the grunter in the face. Reactions were instant and astonishing. The noisy fellow was a grizzly bear. Up to the time of being hit on the nose, it was merely curious. The unfriendly reception aroused primitive instincts. Uh huh. <laughs> so, in other words, the bear didn't appreciate getting hit in the nose, and uh, at this point, he the bear's a little mad. Yeah. So here we have the bear. He rode, uh, ro- roared and rose up on his hind legs. In the bunkhouse. In the bunkhouse to, to take a lunge at old Smiley. Now, fortunately for the logger, a sleeper in the upper bunk had already taken action. He threw off his blankets. The covers fell on the bear, leaving the grizzly kind of churning and he covered up with a with a blanket. Oh, here we go. <laughs> okay. You're not going to believe this one either. No, I'm, I'm skeptical. Well, this is a little more re- realistic. Okay. So all the men that were in the uh, in the bunkhouse, they climbed up into the rafters while the excitement lasted, and the bear finally got the blanket off and left. Now, you could believe that, maybe. <sighs> now, the Irishman, Smiley, did not measure the tracks. He was making his own. The account says he didn't stop to see what happened in the bunkhouse. As soon as he discovered he'd hit the bear on the on the snoot, he took off running. And he never come back. <laughs> well, he might have come back. But <laughs> I, you know, the first one I believe. Yeah. 
The last one that you just, nah, on a one to ten, I'm giving it a three. Yeah, okay. And the other two, they didn't Uh, even hit a hole. They didn't hit the ball out of the infield. Well, I thought it was interesting. (laughs) Do we have time for one more? Uh, It's got to be real short. Uh, Well, we better leave it at that then. Maybe I'll continue this. Uh, Where did you get these stories? Right, this book right here, Sawtooth Tales. Sawtooth Tales. Yeah, so folks, you can pick this up like in... Uh, like Yellowstone or Sun Valley by a guy named Dick Deesom. What are some of the other stories about? Are they all bear stories? Oh, no. No, there's lots of other stories in here uh, about the Sawtooths, the miners. Now's a good time when we're talking about books. I want to talk about yours. Oh. How's it going? Great. Uh, my edit- I finished going through it for the last time. My editor has printed it out. She's going through it for the very last time to correct any little little errors that could, you know, like you might have a word that, uh, you know, it can be spelled two different ways, but it doesn't show up in a spell check. I see. So I'm hoping within the next couple of weeks to be able to send it to the printer. And the title? Coal Miner to Cowboy and- starts in 1850 to 1870. Young man is born in England. Uh, moves up to Wales, works in a coal mine at 11 years old. Wow. And there he, uh, I won't, I don't want to spoil anything, but something happens to him in that coal mine that, that, uh, scares him pretty bad. Okay. Anyway, he makes his way to America, wants to be a cowboy. And during this time that takes two years, he's also keeping a journal. So he wants to be a cowboy and he's also going to, he's writing a book. Wow. So in the end of his book, he publishes a book. How much of you is in the book? I've included quite a few names that are family and friend names, including a, a guy named Zeb. Uh-oh. I don't know if you know him. I hope he's a good guy. He's a, he's a, he's a, he shoes horses. Oh, yeah, okay. You know, it fits right in with you. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to it. And when is it going to be and where is it going to be available? Well, I, I'll talk to my printers, but it should be able to be on Amazon. I want to record it as well. Okay. So anyway, we'll see. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity. And the American dream starts with purpose. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's learning environments are designed for supportive networking and collaboration. With over 330 academic programs, GCU provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.